Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the 2020 Mindset Leadership Conference. I'm your host, Riley Jensen, and today I'm super excited to introduce you to someone who I consider to be my really good friend, a nine, 10 year vet uh, of the NFL. He played wide receiver at Utah State, played wide receiver at Snow College and Bingham High School. Um, former NFL player, Kevin Curtis. Kevin, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, you bet. Glad to be here. So um, you and I have been talking a lot offline and we've coached together at Alta High School and we've, we've done some different things. But when you, when you think of mental toughness, not, not necessarily like the dictionary or Wikipedia or whatever, like what do you, what do you define mental toughness to be? You know, that's, well, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think uh, I don't, it doesn't really matter who you are in life. Some things are going to come your way. And uh, I think the way we handle them a lot of tough, a lot of times um, comes down to, you know, what we're made of, what, who we really are. And I think some of those, some of those experiences, some of those things really bring out who you are. And I think, who you are in those times, I think that's kind of what mental toughness is, you know. So, so if I'm hearing you right, who you are in adversity, who you are when things get difficult. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, you've been through a, a lot of things. And I'm aware of some things, and you can decide whether you want to share certain things or not. But everything from walking on to Snow College, you know, walking on to Utah State, adversity in the NFL with injuries and sickness. Um, what, what do you think, who, who do you think helped you to develop this inner toughness or this grit or this resilience that you have? Because I know that if I were to talk to somebody, you know, to some of our peers when we played together at Snow College or some of our peers that played at Utah State, I mean, everybody thought you were phenomenally talented, but you have this kind of silent toughness about you that just like continues to persevere even to today who who were the people that stuck out to you did you have coaches was it parents like what helped you through all this well um first off I (laughs) I could tell you a lot of examples where I don't think I'm very mentally tough but uh (laughs) and so it's kind of hard to to uh I guess always view myself as maybe a mentally tough person but uh but I know I know growing up my dad uh you know I kind of grew up on a farm and so I I think some things were implemented in my life early on that weren't always the same as my my friends around me like my friends always want to go play you know and I always kind of hated my life when I was younger because you know I always we always had to work you know on the farm and so I think I think from an early age I started to kind of uh some of those things kind of implemented, uh, I guess, just not uh, having to work, work hard. I think sometimes that goes hand in hand with mental toughness. But uh, my dad always talked about a book called Psycho-Cybernetics. Oh, really? You read that book? Oh, yeah. He gave, he gave us all a copy. Um, really? And I, and I should know I should know more about the book. I know I've read it, and I know we've talked about it as a family. But I know, I know it involves a lot of that, you know, the mindset. And, uh, and I, I think some of those things were kind of put in place in my head at an early age. Um, he still talks about that book today, you know. Yeah. And, and so 
you know, I think, I think some of those things were kind of put in my head in an early age. And I was, I, I haven't always, I haven't been very good at, you know, being mentally tough all my life. In fact, uh, I think you alluded to one thing. Uh, I, I dealt with some sickness, you know, with cancer. And uh, I know going through chemotherapy, I felt like, I felt like the farthest thing from a mentally tough person. And it's interesting because before, you know, getting ready to go into it, I just figured, yeah, you know, I, I'm going to feel crappy. I can deal with that, you know, physical pain. But there's a whole other world that I, I didn't see coming for me. And that's just um, emotionally and just uh, some of those other areas that I think um, mental toughness can, can uh, really help you out. And I, I didn't have it, you know. I, I remember just being a mess. And so, um, so I mean, I, I think uh, – I don't know. There's just a lot of examples, a lot of opportunities in life to, to kind of find out where you are when it comes to how tough you are. And, you know, I, I've seen plenty of examples in my life too, where, man, I, I couldn't feel uh, more on, you know, I guess I'm trying to figure out the right phrase for this, but uh, less mentally tough, you know? Yeah. It's, it's interesting to hear that. Cause when I would come and visit you while, while you're doing chemo and some of those things, you, you seemed like you had it all together. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I didn't have any, I didn't have any doubt that you were going to make it through and that you were, that you were doing well mentally. You didn't, you know, maybe that's the old farmer in you that just kind of kept things close to the vest, but you seemed like you were being solid and, and, and just working through it day by day. Right. Well, I mean, I might've been for a minute, but then a minute later, you know, I was, and I mean, I mean, I, and I think what it also showed me is just, I gained a lot of compassion just for people in general because you never really know what's going on in their life. And uh, I think for me, like, yeah, I felt fine. And then, you know, the darkness would come in, you know, a few hours there. And I knew I was going to be all right, too. It's not like I I thought that uh, I wasn't going to get through this thing. I just, uh, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of, a lot of things out there in life and a lot of things people are dealing with. And so that was another area for me personally that I, I was not very strong at, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's easy for me to deal with some, uh, physical pain. And like, I actually, I actually, uh, I really like that. I, in fact, almost in an unhealthy way, I, I like suffering, you know, physically, but I think, uh, I think it really, uh, opened my eyes to people around and things they're dealing with. And I, and I saw a lot of people, you know, dealing with things, uh, even, you know, at the, at the Huntsman Institute going this, with cancer and uh yeah there's some there's some tough dudes in there that are tougher in ways i i i can't you know even compare to you know and so it it was uh just kind of opened my eyes that you know there's it's life can be hard you know and there's uh, a lot of ways uh to be mentally tough yeah. and i wasn't very good at that one well you certainly seem like it it seems like you probably learned a lot from it where, where did an old farmer like Stu curtis get Get a get a copy of of Psycho Cybernetics. Uh, that that excites me. The old farmer was pulling out some uh, mental toughness videos and, and and books for you guys. Yeah, um, you know he used to be used to rodeo. Um, yeah. I don't know if he'll if he'll ever come across this. So he might there might be a lot of details I'm getting wrong here, but uh, I know uh, he he read. I don't know if he read across if it was that book or another book, but. Uh, something about visualizing he didn't have you know he didn't have a horse so he he entered a rodeo in high school i think he took 
second in state as junior year, and I was an all-around cowboy the next year without ever hit, hadn't ridden a he horse. Didn't have a horse. He mean, without owning a horse. He had to use his buddy's horse, and so he uh, he got he picked up a lot of stuff from psycho cybernetics and some other things of just visualization. Yeah. And so he he would practice ro- roping a cat, like I think it was like a little wooden calf or something, and he just visualized doing it all day, and so. He kind of just implemented that whole um, being able to visualize things, you know, in your mind. Yeah. And, and uh, I think a lot of that played into that book. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, that's uh, cool. yeah, I, think- and, and that's his kind of story is like he, he, and he wasn't really, you know, bragging about himself, but he, he went on and competed in a rodeo and, and did, did really well. And, and without ever having, been on that horse before you know never owning a horse and so just kind of shows you the power of the mind and it is a pretty powerful thing you feel like you use that do you feel like you use some of that based on his suggestion or do you think it came naturally to you when did you start envisioning that this is always an interesting question for nfl players to me when did you think to yourself wow maybe i have a chance to play in the nfl or did you always know that and always wanted that I always wanted it. Um, in fact, I remember writing down on a piece of paper about second grade that I want to be a professional football player. And then I wrote, if not, I want to be a professional uh, basketball player. And if not, I want to be a professional baseball player. Cause those- <laughs> hey, those are pretty good shift downs. Like, hey, if yeah. I don't do my dream job, I'll, I'll take this. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Well, it was just – and the reason I wrote it down is because I thought for some reason I'd forget. I thought, you know, if I, I just want to make sure I have this in case I forget, that's, that's what I want to do. And, uh, and so I, and I loved all three sports, but football is always my favorite, but football is also the furthest thing from what I had a shot at probably. Like I was a much better basketball player, younger and, uh, baseball. And so I was a really good soccer player, which is probably more of my body type, but, uh, but I just remember always wanting that. But then as you get older, I never really ruled it out, but I think you just, man, I'm just trying to make, make a team, you know? And so I think uh, I was always just so focused on not because I knew better, but just because like, man, I'm just trying to, in high school, I, you know, I didn't really, as a sophomore, I didn't really see the field. I was like 110 pounds. I just want to like, what do I got to do to get on the field? You know? And so it was easy to just stay focused on one goal at a time, just because I was so far from being an NFL player. And uh, I think um, I, I just wanted it. And so in high school, I just wanted to play varsity football. I, I just imagined Friday night under the lights and it's, it consumed me, you know, it's just, I wanted it bad and I believed I could do it. I just knew I had a long ways to get there. And so it was easy not to get too distracted by like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in the NFL. Cause I just, I think I, right. I think I could see clearly how, you know, where I was at. And yeah. I had a long ways to go. And so I just kept me hungry, you know, you know, one, one step at a time. Where, where was the, where was the tipping point? Where was the one game or the one moment where you're like, dude, maybe I can play in the NFL. Do you remember that? I mean, I, I vaguely remember kind of considering it because, uh, yeah, it was almost like I was just so busy trying to, get to that next step that it was hard to look too far past but I do remember at Utah State I'd come off church mission hadn't played in a while and um, 
I had a, I had a good first game, and I started having scouts contact my parents. They're not scouts, uh, agents. Yeah. And so that was the first time I really took a second to think, like, agents, you know, like for, you know, they want to represent me. To and I was just like, well, well okay. And and <laughs> I, I think uh, you can probably let that distract you too. But it, that was probably the first time I started, like. Oh yeah, maybe maybe I can do this. Maybe I can keep doing this. I was just so coming off a of church mission. I was just so focused on like, man, I just want to play D one, get on the field, start playing again. And uh, I think that's kind of when it hit me. Like, yeah, maybe I do have a chance of this. Then they're asking me if I want to leave after my junior year. I'm just like, wow, leave for the NFL? You know, it's just that's kind of <laughs> when it started to hit me. Like, you know, I might be able to do this. You know, for a job. Yeah. Yeah. Where did, where did you go on your mission? Uh, I was in London, England. London, England. Two years, right? Two years, yeah. Very, very yeah. different kind of football, but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Over there, I'm sure you competed out on those soccer fields every once in a while. Yeah. I beat it too. Oh yeah, played played <laughs> a lot of played a lot of soccer. <laughs> um, when you when you think about mental toughness, and and was I right? Was it nine years? Ten years in the league? Was it eleven? Uh, Nine years, yep. Nine years officially? Yep. And you played three or four with the Rams? I was in St. Louis for four. And then, and then went, went to Philly for three after that and kind of bounced around gotcha. a couple other spots. Um, so when you, when you think about mental toughness, when you think about it from playing Little League football out in Bingham Little League Ute Conference – all the way up to the Rams and the Eagles. Did did mental toughness, your definition of mental toughness, do you think it changed? Or did it just solidify? It definitely changed. Like, it's evolved over the years. I, there's a lot of things I wish I'd known. I mean, everyone, that's why I have the saying goes, that if I'd known some things, you know, then that I know now, <laughs> yeah. um, who know, you know, you kind of wonder, man, how, how much – better of a player could I have been um but I think it's just kind of evolved over the years you know with coaches players um and even you know, even coaching it's interesting to see young athletes you know as they deal with things and you know through it all I think one thing with mental toughness that uh I really learned is there's it's so easy to look around you and see compare yourself to other people to look at all these things you can't control. Whereas that's like the, one of the biggest things I, I think I learned and became more clear over the years. And then even watching kids, you know, as a coach is all the energy that goes into worrying about things you have no control over. And I think, I right. think that takes a mindset, a mental toughness to really uh, somehow be able to block all that out and just look at yourself and look at how, you can improve as a player. You know, I can think of examples, especially going coming from college into the NFL where I really had to do that or I wasn't going to be around very long, you know. Um, and I, I could go more into that. But I, but I think just generally, I think uh, that's a big thing I learned about mental toughness is, you know, worrying about the things you can, you could control and, and not worrying about all the, all the other stuff. What can you control as an athlete? What are, what are the things that you felt like you could control? You know, 
yeah, I think, I mean, your effort, obviously, um, yeah. your focus, like where you, where you put your, your thoughts and your energy. Um, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think like, uh, so I mean, for I'll, just for example, I remember when I got to the NFL, so I, I, I got lucky. I was, I was surrounded by a hall of fame cast, you know, Marshall Fall, Canius Williams, Orlando Pace, Kurt Warner, uh, I don't know if I said Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt. So I just got all these players that, you know, are Hall of Famers. A lot of them are already there. And um, I show up. It's just like, what? Like, I don't, I don't belong here. And I think this is where I think these are some of the things you can start controlling. You start, uh, you know, it, there's a confidence that comes with uh, mental toughness, I think. And, and when you don't have it, you start – feeling like you don't belong uh that you can't you start comparing yourself to these you know these veterans and uh i i honestly felt like i was like a 500 pound man trying to run routes after watching isaac bruce i mean he might be the best route runner that's ever played and he's so smooth and it's just like it opened my mind to like you know wow holy cow like i don't i didn't even consider you can do things this way and i think uh and so I think it just right from the get go, um, I I started thinking I, I couldn't do these things. And I think I think that's where that's when you don't have that mental toughness and you start going down those roads. That's where a lot of people I think that's where the the stumbles begin. You know. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to uh, just one of my clients, a double A baseball player, the other day, and he's he's really good. And uh, his first statement to me was like, I, I'm just waiting. Pe- I'm waiting for people to figure out that I'm in the wrong stadium. <laughs> <laughs> and they call that, they call that imposter syndrome in sports psychology. Right. So I, I think one thing that's interesting, I'm glad that you just said what you said is that I tell a lot of young athletes, high school athletes, college athletes that probably 80% of the time when I'm working with NFL world-class athletes, they've all experienced some sort of imposter syndrome at one time or another where they didn't feel like they belonged and they're top 1% in the world at what they do. They might not even be uh, a top 1% in the world dad. They might not be a top 1% in the world, something else in their life, you know, and here they are top 1% in the world at the thing they love to do. And they, they feel like they don't belong. And I, and I think that's a pretty normal feeling, but it's also a feeling that you can work through, right? And uh, obviously you worked through mm-hmm. it. You, you made it for nine years after a while. But I think that's cool that you shared that because I'll probably share this clip with, with some of the athletes. Like, hey, this guy played in the league for nine years. And he felt like he didn't belong. He felt like he was a 500. He ran a 4.3 40-yard dash, and he felt like a 500-pound elephant running routes, right? Like, yeah. And so that's really, really interesting. Do you um, – how do, how do you – who was the most mentally tough person that you played around or with or against? Who, who was just that guy where you were just like, holy cow, that guy, not only is he physically talented, but that guy is just mentally together? Oh, man, there's there, – I probably had so many good examples of that. And these are kind of questions where I feel – wish my memory served me better because I know I can think probably can, hours after this. You can blame this. it on concussions if you want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what everybody else does. 
Well, I mean, I'm sure I could probably think of so many good examples. Because, I mean, I've just – I've been fortunate enough, you know, playing sports all my life to be around so many – so many guys that uh, – you know, I, I'll be – I mean, this isn't because this is your – you know, this is you interviewing me, but I remember coming to Snow College being fresh out of high school and uh, and you being like a leader on the team quarterback. Like, I remember – I remember yourself being a good example of that, um, for one. I mean, I – I could think of a ton, but I remember just the way I, I started thinking differently. Like I, some of the speeches you'd give or some of the, some of the things you'd say, I, I mean, you got me fired up in ways that, that, uh, that I hadn't before. I mean, but I mean, I think of like from then, like through my pro, you know, playing professionally, there's so many guys, like I know Brian Dawkins in Philadelphia. I remember that you guy, talking about him. That guy, man, he, like, he just, yeah, he 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 had all the right things to say, but it, he also did all the right things, and uh, he was a good example of that. But I, but I know I know I'll probably think of perfect examples, you know, hours after this. But uh, yeah, there's I been a lot. I appreciate you. I appreciate you mentioning me. I'll give you that twenty dollars. I know you're a little tight. <laughs> yeah, I'll make sure that I get that to you. Okay. <laughs> I haven't had a job since I was done playing, so you know I got to try to make money however I can that's no, right. but in, that's all, right. in all seriousness though like not because you know it's your interviewing but I actually do recall coming fresh out of high school and and you 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 were a few years older than me so I, I think uh um you just you just it was a different it's different kind of player than I'd been around and uh huh. I, I I honestly do remember that yeah but there, there's oh, I appreciate it I appreciate that. I'll 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 be uh, keeping this recording for a long time, especially on dark days when the darkness comes in. I'll I'll be like, remember when Kevin Curtis said something really nice about you? Uh, I'll do that. Um, do you? Oh shoot, I had a good question. Tell me, tell me what your biggest failure is and how you overcame it. How did how did it make you a better person, a better husband, a better dad? Or uh, you're not a dad yet, a better brother. You know what I mean? Like what? What was your what? What do you consider to be your biggest failure, and what did you learn from it? Oh man, there's been a ton of them. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I almost it's hard to see any areas of growth without all the times I fail, you know. Um, yeah. And you know, I I I think of I think it it's hard for me not to get out of the sport mode, you know. I if I start looking at my personal, be, doesn't have to be the sport. It could, I mean, look, everything. I think how you do everything is how you do it. How you do anything is how you do everything, right? Like if there's a failure yeah. outside, it can be, can be just as impactful. And I, and that's what I love about sports. I think there's so many parallels and uh, to life, you know. And and so I, if I start thinking of my failures off the field, there's there's so many. Um, but uh, I, I do I do think of two on the field specifically. Um, and one is kind of I, I made reference to before is you get drafted to a team. They pay you, you know, for me, an enormous, you know, and I was in the third round. So, I mean, it's all relative to what you're comparing it to. But I like I was paying to play football in my life. So it's it was these guys are going to pay me. And so you, there's that pressure to be something that uh, they expect you to be. And then I think just showing up. And like I said, that first mini camp going into training camp, I not to get back to what I was talking about before, but I felt like, man, I felt like an imposter. Like exactly. That's a great reference because it was just like, man, I, I feel like 
you know, these guys believed in me and they, and this is what they got. And after my performance, you know, in mini camp and started training camp, it was just, you know, I honestly felt like, uh, like I was like, you know, I didn't belong there. And I think that that was one time where I felt like I'd kind of failed. And, um, another time you'll actually, you're familiar with because it involves you is it playing Rick's college. And I was kind of, you know, I wasn't, I was kind of starting to work my way into some playing time. And I remember coach Ed Larson told me we're going to go uh, 64 and go, I think, was it? Yep. I'm trying to remember that. I know, I know exactly which player you're talking yeah, about. I know you know the play, but, uh, and I remember him telling me at a breakfast and he's going to, he, and I wasn't, I think I was starting it. I was like, I wasn't a starter, but he is going to be like the first play of the game and it's coming to me. And so I just remember like, man, he's giving me an opportunity. He believes in me. You know, here's, here's a great chance and ran, a, ran the great route. The guy bit. Awesome uh, route. You could have kicked it to me, but you threw a, (laughs) you threw a perfect pass, like right in stride. I didn't have to reach or jump. And I mean, it couldn't be more perfect. Hit me right in the hands. And I don't, I mean, I honestly, you almost have to try to drop a pass like that. Nice and soft, but I remember dropping it. And here was like my first chance at a significant opportunity, significant playing time. And I just basically dropped it. And I remember, I remember falling down. And just staring in the ground, not wanting to get up, because I was just like, <laughs> I cannot believe I did that. I, not only am I embarrassed, but I'm just like, all my hopes and dreams, there they go, you know, they're all gone. On that, There's on my that chance. One catch, on that one and that's, catch. And that's where that's how my mind. That's where my mind was when it happened. And um, and I remember going back silent, and he kept throwing me in there, and you guys kept throwing. I had a bunch of drops that game. It was a rough day. But uh, I remember thinking that was the end of my playing time. And I'd come from a road of, like, walked on. Um, yeah. you, don't, you, don't, you don't always get a lot of opportunities when you're that guy, you know. And so um, that, that was a good example to me of, uh, you know, that's, that's, how, that's how life goes. That's how things go, you know. You, yeah. you fail, and then it's a matter of do you, do you sit there it. and just stare in the ground or do you, do you get up yeah. and – get get back at it you know and uh i you know i i i think you know i i learned you have to you know wait for the next chance maybe it's gonna i kind of thought it was gonna be a year down the road after that but uh luckily i got it reminds me of the steve it reminds me of the steve young quote right fall down seven times get up eight grounds for dairy queen right (laughs) (laughs) exactly you uh but I, I, I remember that ball. I, I certainly didn't think – there certainly wasn't any weight on that from my perspective. That's interesting that you bring it up because I think we all knew how great you were going to be. And I know I know 20 more touchdown catches and a whole bunch of really, really good success at Snow after that. Uh, I think we all kind of knew how special you were. I just remember you developing from what I considered quick as a cat to like a powerful puma or a leopard by the time you are playing in the NFL. I remember – Every once in a while, you'd have me throw to you when you were with the, the Rams or the, the Eagles, and I would drop five and a hitch, and I would literally throw it as far as I could. And your last three steps, I'd be slowing you down when you were in the pros, where I could at least get it to you on the run in college. It was amazing how, how much you developed, and it was amazing to me just to watch your success. And, you know, you, you've been through a lot. I mean, you had to walk on at two schools. You had schools tell you that 
you should have to go and, and, and play intramurals and maybe they'd come and watch you and see if they'd put you on the team. And uh, for, for the grit and the tenacity that you had to just keep going and keep going, it was, it was really easy to cheer for you uh, once you made it. Um, tell me this, if I, if I were to take some of our Snow College friends or Utah State friends, fill in this blank, Kevin will be successful because he blank. What do you think they'd say? He got lucky. <laughs> uh, you think that's what we'd say? Well, that's what I – well, maybe. I don't know. You know, because uh, that's a good question. Let me think about it, actually, a little more serious. Because if... <laughs> he got lucky. Yeah, there's a lot of us saying that out there. I, well, I, there's a lot to that. <laughs> um, I don't – Maybe that uh, – well, I got, I got a shift from what I would think. This is just – so repeat the question one more time. Sorry. So, Kevin will be successful because he blank. What would your peers say? Hmm. I bet it needs a – trying to get inside my peers' mind. I, yeah, I, I just – I. Just because he he wants it. I mean, I think that's yeah. I'm trying to. I think that's close. To what, I think that's close to what I would say. I think you showed that you wanted it by by your consistency. Consistency. I, I, felt, I felt like every single day, and I know there was times even at Snow College that you were hurting, right? Like your body's not right. You've got you know sore muscles. You you've been hit hard the last game. I just felt like every time – and I guess if I wanted to add to it, I'd say consistency of effort. And I, nobody else do I get to answer this question because I wasn't necessarily their peer, right? But I was, I was your peer at a young age. I just, I just knew I could count on you. I knew, I knew that no matter what, that you were giving me your best effort and you were, you were, you were going to consistently play as hard as you could. Now, did you have a drop here and there? Yeah. You know, but I can oh, tell yeah. you by the, by the end of that same year that you were talking about, and I, I've talked about this on the radio and I've talked about it with people that have asked me about playing with you. One of the things that was really awesome about playing with you is your, what, what I call your circumference of catching was so good. Like you would go and get balls that I thought were overthrown or you would go and get a ball that I thought I'd overthrown. And it was weird because about halfway through the season, I threw some bad balls to you. You made these amazing catches. And then it took all the pressure off me as a quarterback. And all of a sudden, I started throwing dimes to you, like, all the time. And it was because I didn't have that pressure to put it right on your face mask. I knew that if I threw it over here or over there that you were going to go get it. And then all of a sudden, the pressure's off, and I'm throwing it, like, right to you. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> it's amazing how players can have an effect on you when, when – when they when they play really really well and I know I mean I don't remember the other drop passes in the in the Ricks game I remember the one because it, it was it was an out and up but it was down the big side one it was open. <laughs> but I don't remember any other drops in fact I just remember so many fun touchdowns like the one at Dixie and I remember you know I just remember different different plays that you made at Air Force and just just fun and I, and I tell everybody, I tell everybody all the time I was all American because I had Kevin Curtis on my team, but um, it's, it, 
Oh, it's, yeah, fun right? to think about, <laughs> it's fun to think about the consistency and about the effort and how you had an effect on, you know, it, it's weird to think that I was like one of the leaders on the team and that you're talking that way because I felt like by the end of the season, I just felt like there were so many good players on that team that I could count on. And that's, that was the fun of playing on a really good team, right? Even though it was junior college level and people don't know much about snow college. It's probably my favorite year of playing football ever, just because I felt like everybody, nobody cared. Nobody cared who got the credit for whatever yeah. reason. Like it, it was, I, I heard a phrase the other day, sometimes me, sometimes you, but always us. And that mm. reminded me so much of the Snow College team. Sometimes me, yeah. sometimes you, always us. You know, and that was a – Yeah, was I just, like that. I, I heard that phrase the other day, and I was like, man, if that isn't snow, my Snow College team in 96, I don't know, you know, what was. And so that was fun. If I uh, – I only have a couple more questions for you. I know you – I want you to get back to your wife and enjoy that. <laughs> um were there any coaches or are there any coaches that you, that, that you go back to over and over again, thinking about the mental toughness lessons they gave you or about the thoughts that they imparted to you? Is there any, anybody that stands out? You know, there's a, there's a few. Um, I think the one that stands out most to me with that subject is Mike Martz in uh, huh? St. Louis. I think uh, our coach, Keith Uparessa at Snow. Yeah. Uh, one of the best coaches I played for. And I, I also think I was able to play for Andy Reid. But uh, Mike Martz, um, I feel like that's where I learned. I, I learned some of those. I, I just feel like I learned so much from him. And um, mentally, um, just how you approach – I mean, as a professional, you know, you kind of treat everything as it's a profession, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, um, it's our job, you know, we get paid to do it. And so um, you have to be professional. And I think, uh, I think him and just some of the film sessions we go through, the things I learned there, the, the mental, like they were just, they were brutal, but um, there was just a wealth of knowledge and wisdom that would come from those sessions. And, uh, yeah, he, he's one coach that, that really, really stands out to me when it comes to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how long has it been since you've been in the league? When was your last year? Oh, um, I think 2012, maybe. 2012. And you played at Utah 12, State. Yeah. Utah State. What years did you play at Utah State? Uh, 2000. Uh, two in 2003. So, and he red in 2001. So, let's go back 20 years. Let's go, let's go, no, 19 years. Let's go back to your red shirt year at Utah State. If you could give young Kevin advice, what would you say to young Kevin? What would, what would you say to yourself at that point? Oh, wow. Young Kevin, Utah State. Back home from the mission. Had a couple great years at snow. You got you got dreams ahead of you. You got degrees ahead of you. You got NFL ahead of you. What what would you say to yourself to help yourself maybe enjoy it a little bit more or excel a little bit more? It's hard not to uh, to look back because I 
because I think in a lot of ways, uh, fortunately, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't have pressures of where I thought I was going. You know, I was just, I was just trying to get on the field. And so it was easy to just kind of enjoy, you know, the moments as they happened, when yeah. they happened. But as I look back, it's hard for me not to, as, I, as I've kind of, you know, as a professional in this whole concept of pursuing perfection, you know, I don't yeah. think um, um, if I could look back at it now, I think uh, I'd have, I, I think, I wish I was more driven for that pursuit. I feel like that's something I kind of learned in my career. And then I, I just would, I, I guess then I'm going to change it. I wouldn't, uh, the times I was comfortable, I wish I would have recognized that I'm way too comfortable. Cause oh. I think, I think those moments kind of kept me from being even being better, being maybe better than I could have been. If, if that makes yeah. sense. Totally. Yeah. Like, we talk about that in sports psychology, like get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? Like learning how to never be satisfied, never be like totally okay with how things are going. And that's why, I think that's what greatness is about. Obviously you learned it. Obviously you were able to, to overcome that, but I, I really like that. Like, don't get comfortable. You know? Yeah. Like, well, and I, th I think of my career, like I was, I have some success at Utah state. And, and even as you're talking about the snow days, I know, like, I think you oversell the type of player I was. I don't think I was that good. I think players, a lot of players around me made me a lot better, but throughout my whole career, it takes a lot of people in the sport of football to have success. And so having some success, you know, at different levels and then having some success at Utah state and maybe considering I could play in the pros, it was, I, I honestly, I actually remember thinking like, I, man, I just want to get drafted. I didn't even think about what about after I get drafted, you know? And that's probably why I felt like I was kind of failed because I showed right. up after getting drafted and I felt like I was a joke, you know? And so I think, I think it's that whole – and these are things I wish I would have better understood going into. And that's why I think sports psychology, man, it can make – is just huge because if I would have had that mindset, I wouldn't have spent so much time trying to figure it out that I do belong there and I can play. And, you know and – I, and I remember having some success in the pros, getting a new – getting a – as a free agent, signing a bigger contract, you know, becoming a number one receiver at Philly. And I was hungry and had some good years. And then, you know, I had some injuries. But I think, I think that also you get to these places where you're just comfortable. You think you've made it. And that's something I learned early on in the pros is you just – you think you made it. But what you tend to learn later is you realize you never make it. You never are there. Right. And that's the whole pursuit of perfection. That's why in sports and life and a lot of things – and it's not to be hard on yourself, but it's just – There's always there's something that, you can do. Yeah, there's always room to go. And that's why I think you see organizations or people like Tom Brady's out there. Like these guys, they're never resting. They're never staying comfortable because they're always pursuing that perfection, which is unattainable. But right. that's the whole beauty of it all is that doesn't matter. You still, you still, still try chase. to attain that. And that's, I think that's what makes you the best player you can be. And, and I don't think – I think I had moments of that, but I think if I could go back, I wish I would have recognized that and I, cause I just feel like I could have been a better player, you know? And yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I tell I tell athletes all the time that the 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 number one phrase that's the enemy to all athletes is "I've arrived," right? Yeah. That's the yeah. number one phrase because as soon as you think you've arrived, it slips out of your hands. And then I love the phrase: "It's never as bad as it seems. It's never as good as it gets." Because that constantly keeps you moving forward. That keeps you staying in the moment and just working and work. It's never as good as it gets, right? Like it's never yeah. as good as it gets. And typically when something goes wrong, it's not as bad as it seems. Kind of like when you yeah. drop that, that out and up, right? Uh, yeah. Not as bad as it seems. It's never as good as it gets. And uh, I love, I love that phrase. Have you watched, have you watched any of the Michael Jordan, the last dance? I just started it. I'm on, I just, I've seen the first two episodes. Yeah. So I'm just, yeah, I'm just starting I'll tell that. you what, there's, there's some good stuff in there. I'll, I'll have to talk to you offline after, but there's some things that really resonated with me. I actually, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I don't like Michael Jordan anymore. And I'm like, man, I, I have so much respect for that dude. Oh, when, yeah. when you were talking about B-Doc with, with Brian Dawkins, you know, about that he said a lot of things, but he also backed up a lot of things. I mean, that's, that's how I feel about Michael Jordan, right? Like, man, he said a lot of things in that video. But there's so many things he backed up, and I never had a problem. I never had a problem with a teammate that was doing everything he was supposed to do getting on me. It was the it was the athlete that wasn't doing anything he was supposed to. If he got on me, I was ready to right know, break yeah. up knuckles. But <laughs> that's pretty I, rare to to say the things that players like that say, but actually do it too. They are they are what they say. So and rare. Yeah. So yeah. rare. So rare. All right, last question. I'll let you get back. A lot of people struggling with COVID-19, loss of jobs, 401K, um, small businesses are hurting, people are sick. You've been through a lot of this stuff, right? You've been sick. You've been in difficult situations. Any any advice or thoughts to those people out there that are struggling a little bit? Well, I'm probably the last guy that should give anyone advice, but uh... – <laughs> I mean, it. I I don't. I mean, I'm trying. I'm trying to figure these things out too. But uh, you know, I just, you know, I think uh, I don't know. I just have the I have that an underlining belief for all things, and I know, you know, part of it could be do with spirituality and, and different beliefs. And I know everyone doesn't share my same beliefs, but I just I just know everything's everything's all right, and nothing, and uh, anything that comes our way. You know, it's their opportunities. Their opportunities to to learn to go doesn't mean they're hard, but I mean, without I, there's just no progress if if things are always perfect and and good. And I remember going through chemo. I had a weird phase where I was having these crazy headaches, and I was they they talked about sometimes the the cancer that type of cancer can can travel to the brain, and I convinced myself that it was in my brain, and I thought. I never had headaches like this. I couldn't do anything, couldn't sleep. And I convinced myself that I was, they were in my head and I thought I was going to die. And so, but I just remember thinking like, yeah, we're all going to die. Like if you die, you die, you know? And so I know. You sound I, like Ivan Drago. <laughs> <laughs> I'll rock you. If, I die. if he dies, he dies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, this is probably the worst. This is why I don't get asked for advice, but uh, I guess what I guess what I'm getting at, because that's a pretty dark, but it's just the fact that uh, you know, there's certain things that uh, that you can't control, you know, and I think uh, I think uh, I just think we're in some bigger hands, and uh, 
And I don't know. I think uh, for me, I just find peace knowing that things things will be how they're supposed to be, and uh, um, I'm just gonna enjoy every moment I get. I, there's a think for me, a lot of these this kind of times we're going through just made me reflect a lot on just how grateful I am. There's a lot to be. It's almost made me have more gratitude in my heart just for uh, how good we had, how how good we've had it, you know, and. Yeah. If we got to weather some of this stuff sometimes for all the, the good we have, uh, um, then I'm, I'm going to try to do my best yeah. to do that with a, with a good attitude. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's uh, gratitude, you know, really just kind of looking for the silver linings and understanding that, that, that there's a bigger purpose and that we can, you know, you probably, you probably drive your wife crazy with that with that kind of attitude because I know it drives my wife crazy. She's always saying to me, like, well, what do you think? And I'm like, huh? things are going to work out. Like we're going to be okay. Like everything's going to be all right. And uh, she's like, oh, I hate that statement. You say that to me all the time, <laughs> but you know, um, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you joining us and I appreciate your insight. I know you don't think that your wisdom's good, but I've always been listening closely. Um, you're uh, one of the things that I love about you is you're not a man of many words, but you're, you're pretty concise when you do say it. And so I, I, I'm always interested to hear what you have to say because it's usually well articulated and really, really clear and can slice to the heart if it needs to. So I appreciate, I appreciate you taking a little bit of time with me. Yeah, well, I uh, appreciate you letting me come on. Hopefully uh, some of that made sense. I feel like I'm all over the place sometimes, but uh, no, I'm grateful for the chance to talk about this stuff. That was awesome. Let's let's get together when all this stuff is uh, back in the green and and uh, in, in, enjoy families and and everything else and be grateful for our friendships. I appreciate you spending some time with me today. Yeah, thank you. All right, my man.